Ciao, my name is Umberto Mucci and this is with Italian News, a podcast about Italy during coronavirus times. Today is Thursday, June 30, 2022. Dear friends, this is another with Italian News video that will tell you about problems, although I would love to tell you that everything is going just fine here. Let's start with the pandemic that has not gone away at all in Italy, although the stop on the obligation of wearing masks, even indoors, makes it seem that way. Yesterday I went out and forgot the mask at home for the first time since March 2020. I always have one in my emergency pocket, but when I arrived where I had to go, I was told there was no need. Things were back to the way they were before Covid. In fact, experts wonder if we start being forced to wear masks too early, and the numbers say that might be the case. But it is, it is also true that the variant of the virus uh, that circulates today is very contagious, but much less dangerous. Almost every day I hear someone who is positive, but with few symptoms has happened to me, and after a week becomes negative. These are, uh, there are still 50 deaths a day with COVID in Italy, but they are almost all people with even serious diseases who have contracted the virus, not people with average normal health. However, the terrible fact remains that in five months, even this milder variant has claimed three times as many lives as before COVID due to the flu in the same period. Also because of this, Italian health institutions said that, that there will be a new vaccination campaign for the fourth dose in the fall for those over 50, but anyone who wants to get it will be accommodated even if they are under 50. They say that until mid-July, cases will continue to rise, but in fact, many think there are already many more than the official number. Many Italians take a home swab, are positive and stay isolated for a week, and then go negative or without officially reporting it. Others don't even stay home, putting all others at risk as well, trusting that at best that the symptoms will be those of a bad flu. There are those who don't want to give up vacations already booked, and there has also been a huge increase in insurance to get reimbursed for any due to a last-minute positivity to trips already paid for. Meanwhile, the Italian tennis champion Matteo Berrettini was supposed to play his first match in Wimbledon, the most important tennis tournament in the world, where last year he reached the final and this year he was among the favourites. But he took a swab of his own volition, because in England it is not compulsory, and he tested positive, reported it, and decided to withdraw before he started playing. He also did this without being obliged. He could have played even as a positive, because in England there is no longer even the isolation of those who are positive, which on the other hand has remained here in Italy. If all Italians were so careful, we would certainly be better off. But there are also those who criticized him because he was, they say, too un-Italian. According to these people, the right thing would have been to pretend nothing happened, he would not even have broken the law. Had he won, Berrettini would have earned about $3 million. But he behaved well, instead of what we here in Italy call fare il furbo, to get smart. That is also why we love him. We Italians who reject the equation, Italian equals improper and selfish. The other problem that needs to be talked about in this week's description of Italy is that of drought. The north of the country is in great difficulty and some parts of six regions, namely Piedmont, Lombardy, Veneto, Emilia-Romagna, Lazio and Marche, are already rationing water at night and fear that they will soon have to ration it during the day as well. An emergency plan is coming from the government. The Po, Italy's largest river, is in unprecedented situations. We are at 50% less rainfall than the averages of recent years and up to 70% less snowfall, meaning that uh, the river has now reached a level up to 80% lower than average. The region where the Po River flows is responsible for 40% of Italy's agriculture and is facing the worst drought in 70 years. 
Here in the Rome, the TV is 50% below its average level. The situation is worsened by the exceptional heat wave these days, which mainly affects the center and south of the country, with temperatures over 40 degrees Celsius, that is 104 degrees Fahrenheit, never experienced in recent decades in June. If you add the numerous fires that are unfortunately caused by this heat and require water to put out, and the sky-high costs of electricity to run air conditioners that force people to use it less than they need, you understand that to some people here it seems like the beginning of the end of the world. In spite of this, Italy is being invaded, literally invaded by foreign tourists, uh, uh, the Americans are the most, uh, the, the most ones, uh, who have returned in very high numbers, thankfully. A newly published research studied the consumption of Italians uh, in 2022 and tried to imagine those in 2030. What emerges is a fragmented society with conflicting impulses between a constant search for origins, sometimes animated by nostalgic feelings, and an innovative desire, especially widespread among the younger segment of the population. In place of Italians understood as a unified and basically homogeneous group, the research showed the presence of communities with variable geometry and in perpetual motion. Purchasing motivation are the new expression of territoriality because they differ from area to area. The new behaviors are characterized by the thrift orientation, the need for new experiences in the buying process, and the ability to have the multimedia store in your pocket 24 hours a day. The drive for sustainability becomes increasingly linked to the local genius logic and rises to the profile of a new romanticism of the land, while new styles, once purely metropolitan, conquer the provincial territories. Two complementary visions are identified. The first is the Italy of people, composed of nine communities transversal in age and geographic location. These are open and dynamic communities into which individuals enter thanks to common drives, affinities, attitudes and passions, from which they just as quickly leave and in which seemingly conflicting attitudes and tensions coexist. To name a few, they range from the enough is enough to be happy, to the thrifty caring through the convivial focus on wholesomeness, to the shrewd experimenters, uh, the latter two being the most populous communities. And then there is the Italy of territories with a new breakdown in which the four territories were identified by virtue of the composition of their social and productive fabric, large cities, predominantly agricultural areas, predominantly industrial areas and predominantly tourist areas. The research then identified six different scenarios to assess possible directions of evolution to 2030. In conclusion, Italian consumers have become more demanding and their purchasing preferences are changing rapidly. Indeed, as the research shows, socio-demographic characteristics and geographic location are no longer sufficient to understand individuals who now belong to one or more communities. I'd like to end this video with three good news, because there is always a need for it. The first is that Italy has submitted its request to the European Union for the payment of the second installment of funds related to the European Recovery Plan. All 45 targets and objectives set out in the plan have been met on time, which is why the government has been able to submit a request for payment of the installment worth a total of 24.1 billion euros. Each deadline met seems like a small miracle here given the enormous problems of Italian bureaucracy. 
The second piece of good news is that Rome's Fiumicino has been rated best airport in Europe for the fourth time in the last five years in the category of hubs with over 40 million yearly passengers. The airport's latest award is in addition to Fiumicino being rated a top airport in Europe for the quality of its passenger service, a recognition received for the last five years in a row. The third good news, which is also the last one today, will give you, will give you and us a bit of hope. In the small village of Gropodalosio, in the province of Massacarrara, in the part of the region of Tuscany that is called Lunigiana, on June 24, Anastasia Biancardi gave birth to her baby boy Federico, the firstborn in 16 years in a village with only 10 inhabitants, which now, with Federico, could have its own soccer team made by 11 players, perhaps waiting for him to grow up and hoping that no one will die or live. Federico's parents decided to live and invest in Groppo d'Alosio, famous for its Romanesque bridge, where the Via Francigena passes. Via Francigena is the magnificent part of a bundle of routes, also called the Roman roads, that starting in the 6th century AD led from France to Rome, continuing on to Puglia, where there were, there were ports of embarkation for the Holy Land, a destination for pilgrims and crusaders. Lunigiana, squeezed between Tuscany, Liguria and Emilia-Romagna, is a wonderful, wonderful place with great tourism potential, with beautiful villages rich in history and surrounded by magnificent nature. It perfectly represents the Italy that needs to be rediscovered and repopulated, helped and enhanced, starting from this little good news of Federico. Welcome, Federico. It's all for now, it's all for today. My name is Umberto Mucci, this was with Italian News. I'll see you next Thursday, when it will be July. Please stay safe and take care, protect yourselves. Ciao from Rome.